Hello, everyone, and welcome, welcome to the Musical Splaining Podcast. I am your host and dude who sat in a lot of traffic, which makes me very unique for Los Angeles, Kava Taharian. <laughs> and I'm uh, 34 and still don't know how to drive a car, Angelina Meehan. So <laughs> Do you not drive? I don't drive, no. Oh, I didn't know that. No. It's so like New York of you. That's so like big city of you. I'm just so cool. It's actually really just like my crippling anxiety. But uh, oh, I'm actually, I'm working goodness. on that this year. So um, that's like one of my goals great. by the end of the year is to drive. So. I believe in you. I think you can do great things. <laughs> Thank you. You know what? This is a great segue to the show we are talking about today. It's yes. About, it's about a small girl with a lot of hope. This is, uh, of course, the musical Annie, which I, I originally thought was about uh, Anakin Skywalker from Star Wars as told uh, from. <laughs> The perspective of his mother, Shmi. I mean, it is. They are both about orphans who are uh, taken in by very powerful men. Um, oh, and then molded to fight for the dark side. Uh, was <laughs> was George Lucas inspired by any of the musical? You know Question what? If, mark. If 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 Star Wars was inspired by like the Lone Ranger and like radio serials, Annie was a radio serial at one point. So you know what? I'm sure George Lucas was listening to Annie and was like. This is it. I figured it out. It is a hard I'm, knock life. You're is. right. <laughs> Do you know what it's like being on Tatooine? It is hot and miserable. It's the hard knock life yeah. for Little someone. Orphan Annie Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I would love that. Um, I'm going to stick a How pin in that no one. How has no one done this yet? Was there like, I guess Weird Al only did the bye-bye. This, oh, yeah. Uh, the American, the American Jedi Pie. Or whatever. Yeah. 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 I wish he had done it for my, Annie the my, uh, musical. This Anakin guy. Well, now that's all Anakin I'm going to think guy, about. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm going to think about this 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 whole episode is just how can I make this about Star Wars? Um, yes, <laughs> but yes, Annie. That's just, what I'm always thinking. We we are talking about Annie, but specifically the Annie. Ni- the 1982 film adaptation of Annie, um, which was this is the John Huston one, right? Yes, it's John Huston yes. directing which it. Which is so strange to me that he directed this. I don't yeah. know. I'm I'm really interested in finding out. I'm not sure if you know about the story about like. How is it that he came to direct it? I actually that's not the do know. I okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I do, and it is it is like very funny because like at this point, I think in John Huston's career, he was kind of like Orson Wellsing it, where he was just kind of doing gun uh. for hire stuff just to get to get you know those bills paid. Um, Let's get drunk, but that's not the only <laughs> reason like, I why. I need the booze money. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Uh, but yes, this is a 1982 released feature film adaptation of Annie. Um, it was a huge, huge favorite of mine. As a 10 year old girl, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, Well, I was going to say, too, is like every I realize this, like a lot of the women in my life, you know, girls, women. It's it's weird. I still feel like when you say woman, I always think of like someone who's older than us. Oh, I do the same thing, too. We're almost 40. And I'm like, Sarah's not a girl. She's a fucking woman. But it's like Sarah loves Annie. My sister loves Annie. Like, uh, you know. Girls I've dated in the past were all like, it seems to be like a hallmark of, of girls in my, in our generation. Yeah. Sort of, yeah. I think uh, that specific film too. Cause I think yes. it was one that was always on TV. It was always on TV. And then, um, this, if this was also, um, it had like a 15th, 25th anniversary or something like that release mm-hmm. on VHS. And I remember oh, okay. my, my, we had rented it once, uh, Mm-hmm. when I was about 10 years old and I saw it okay. and I, like I knew the song tomorrow I had never seen Annie but I knew the song tomorrow and always like really liked it but had no idea what the context was and um, mm-hmm. besides like little orphan Annie was all I knew how old are you at this time at this point when you're seeing it about 10 years ten. old okay so you're so I'm sorry you said perfect that right, right, right. Yeah. age perfect age and my sister was yeah. eight and my dad bought us a copy of it and so like we saw it and it was just like you, you know how like kids media is often like 
it's either like mice because mice are small and you kind of have that shared experience. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I feel like the same thing about like orphan content was like going mm. on in our heads because it, it it hits on that vulnerable thing of not being small like mice, but being abandoned or not having your parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like the the scariest thing ever, but this is presented in a way that makes it feel very like safe. Like, I don't know, between like Annie and like the boxcar children and like, uh, I'm just like, there's just so children. much, so much like orphan content where it was like, a, yeah, you know, yeah. Dick Grayson. It was just like being an orphan is like an adventure, you know? And um, yeah, yeah. we like, I, I don't know. It's something just in my dramatic little brain. Like I watched it once and it was like, I, I guess it also sort of appeal, not appeals, but it sort of taps into a certain like what is the worst thing that you could think of when you're a kid yes. which is like to not have your parents around or right. like if you grow up right it's not romanticizing what's the word I'm thinking of but like sort of like it's like a thought experience it's like one of the right. earliest thought experiences you could think yeah. of like what if I was an orphan and my or like what if my parents were suddenly gone like, right right yeah one of the deepest anxieties you might have right exactly it's like being small being an orphan those those are like the two things I was like and Annie yeah kind of hits on both of them because she's a little girl it hits on both of them I have to say I haven't watched this movie since maybe nine or tenth grade oh shit okay yeah it's been I, I still remember because my sister and I we watched this movie like there was a period just in like loop. 1998 we just watched it like every <laughs> single day like every single day like I'm it was your uh, your Encanto from yes the yes it was, it was my Frozen over. it was like we just like were obsessed with it we don't talk it. about Bruno it's like yeah it was, was like your... fuck that I got tomorrow um or Hard Knock Life <laughs> it's very funny too because also like in 98 that was when um uh um what was uh, the Life and Times of Sean Carter volume 2 came out and that had yeah. like the Hard Knock Life sample Hard Knock in Life it. oh my god you guys don't even know I think I feel like that was the first really big Jay-Z song am I not am I mistaken and that might just really old and don't remember. I can't remember if it was that or Big Pimpin. Um, I think oh yeah, it, it might have been Big Pimpin. I, I when it was like I, everywhere, suddenly yes. Jay Z was like everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it was either that or you might, it might have been Big Pimpin. You're right. Yeah, but it was one of those two. So Annie has had some uh, interesting like staying power in the um, I don't know in the in the cultural the zeitgeist zeitgeist. Yeah, yes. especially and if of course you were... uh, remade again. Yeah, a couple yes. years ago as, as Josie was Josie worked on it as a. a oh right, yes, our our, our yeah, last yeah. guest worked on it. It also had a Michael Eisner like Disney Live production in 1999, I think, that starred like a bunch of Broadway people. It had like Audrey McDonald mm. and Victor Garber and Kathy Bates um, and Alan Cumming. Uh, and I watched this the was shit. Like of- a fil- this was a filmed thing. You're yeah, saying? Do you remember like the Wonderful World of Disney production? when when Mike Eisner Vaguely. tried to like um, bring do back the Disney that thing on? Yeah, yeah, he did. A, they did like a version of Annie that was filmed like a movie, but like it was like a special sit down like event. Mm. And we watched the shit out of that. There is <laughs> real quick for the young people. So it's like Walt Disney used to do this thing. I think it was like on Sundays where he'd be like, yeah, hi, I'm Walt Disney. And he would like tell you about something. And it was like yeah. addressing the camera about something they're working on. And then you would introduce some fucking TV show or movie of the week. And right. Michael Eisner, who was the form, was the CEO of Disney in the uh, late eighties, early nineties. Or I guess he didn't really become CEO until a little bit like later than that. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Uh, him and Katzenberg were vying for the position. But anyway, so yeah. Eisner becomes CEO and then he was trying to sort of relive the glory days of Walt, trying yeah. to make himself in that image. And yeah. yeah so I think so, it was Sunday nights, right? If yeah, I remember it was Sunday nights. Yeah. And this was the same thing for that. Like it was also on Sunday nights. Like the, the Brandy Cinderella was also one of those things. That was also a Mike Eisner thing. Um, but we watched that a ton. Of course, as you mentioned, it was remade fairly recently with Cameron Diaz and mm-hmm. Jamie Foxx. And then there was just, I think, last year in Annie Live that I 
totally missed out on. I did not realize it had happened, oh. but like they did like, I think it was okay. either Fox or NBC did it. Um, and now I'm very like tempted to go and watch it because I've seen All so of them. I've seen so many productions of Annie and this doesn't even count like how they tried to make a stage sequel for Annie. They did make a stage sequel for Annie, but we'll get into that later. Like I was yeah. just so deep into Annie. I used to reenact it with my beanie babies, like and record it on video and make my parents watch it, which again, how did they not orphan me? I, I don't know. <laughs> But yeah. Wait, so uh, I guess maybe we'll cover this in the notes, but so it was like a Broadway musical yes. first and yes. then it got adapted into a movie. Yes. When is the, is this in the notes? Am I it's in the notes. Asking yeah. questions? Okay. It should be in the well, notes. Let's get, so I can answer my own questions yes. as I read the notes. Yeah. Okay. So Annie, Annie is a 1982 musical family film directed by John Huston based on the 1977 stage musical by Charles Strauss. Martin Sharnan and Thomas Meehan. Yeah, <laughs> no relation. relation. Uh, but that it was no my relation. dad's name too, by funny coincidence. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Maybe your dad had a second career that he never told you about. <laughs> that would have been that would amazing. That explain why you love musicals so much. Oh, you're sure. He wrote Annie. <laughs> uh, he uh, wrote the book. The film stars. So, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your dad no, wrote the book. <laughs> yeah, my dad wrote the book for Annie. Um, but I should clarify, Charles Strauss was the composer. Martin Sharnan was the lyricist. And Thomas Meehan wrote the book of the musical for this. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the film stars, oh, it's Albert Finney. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, Carol Burnett. I vaguely mm-hmm. remember that. Uh, mm-hmm. Anne Raking again. Yes. Tim Curry. Yep. Oh, and Bernadette Peters. Yep. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Yep. I know all it's these names. It's stacked, honestly. <laughs> like, I was going through it going like, damn. I was uh, going to say, so yeah, my sister loved it. I don't, I've seen parts of it. I don't know if I've ever, it was like, again, another thing that was on TV all the time. Sure, sure. I don't remember ever sitting down and watching Annie from like beginning to end. Sure. So like, I don't, and I, of course, like the songs are so popular that they're sort you know, through osmosis, I know them sure. just because they're like in the popular culture, but I'm not sure if I actually really know the whole movie altogether. It's one of those mem- uh, movies that in my memory, especially as I got older and I actually started getting really into film that it felt long, mm, very okay. long. So I, I, I kind of really understand that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm. As I was saying, so it's starring Tim Curry and uh, Bernadette Peters, along with the 10-year-old Aileen Quinn. Yeah. Aileen? Aileen? Aileen Quinn. A- it looks like Alien Quinn. Alien Quinn is Alien Annie. Alien Quinn. Uh, 8,000 girls auditioned for the role of Annie, and it took Jesus a year Christ. of auditions, and Aileen Quinn was Ooh. who they ended up going with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, loosely based on Harold Gray's long-running comic strip, Little Orphan Annie. Oh, I think I did know that. I should yeah. probably be more involved <laughs> in this comic strips. Yeah. Uh, Little Orphan Annie, our movie concerns the exploits of its titular orphan hero, a young girl named, you guessed Annie. it, Annie. Annie. Yeah. Anakin. Who lives in, <laughs> Anakin Skywalker, <laughs> who lives in a New York City Depression era orphanage run by the cruel and deeply drunk mistress Miss Hannigan. Yeah. Uh, Annie's dream of finding her real parents is shaken up when Grace Farrell, the secretary to munitions manufacturing tycoon Oliver Warbucks, invites the plucky girl to come live at his mansion for a week as a publicity stunt. But as Annie begins to endear herself to the hard-nosed billionaire, Miss Hannigan develops a plot to swindle them all under the guise of reuniting the girl with her lost parents. Will Annie finally get a permanent home? Will the sun actually come out tomorrow? All this and more in... Annie. Annie. <laughs> what a what a premise. And yes, it is yeah. based on a comic strip that ran until like 2010. And it's Oh no shit. Yeah. Like but it, like it, it was like super popular in the twenties, thirties, and forties, and then you know started petering out of popularity after World War II and just was kind of like on this long death crawl. Um, particularly because the the politics of not necessarily the musical or the movie, but the strip are very conservative and very like traditional and very retrograde. Oh, and I think okay. it was becoming like 
we'll get into it in the second half because they mm. definitely change a lot of stuff from what it was. But uh, yeah, it, it just kind of officially died in 2010. And I think they did a one off where like Dick Tracy helped Annie in like 2018. Yeah. Uh, anyway, released while the original show was towards the end of its six year run on Broadway, the film rights to Annie were acquired by Columbia Pictures for $9.5 million, mm-hmm. then the heftiest price tag for a musical film on record. The movie itself cost over $35 million. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, with some suggesting it costs, I mean, now you don't bat an eye at it, but the idea of yeah. even making a fucking movie for $35 million now is like, what do you mean it's not $235 million? But right, yeah. <laughs> $35 million in 1970 was probably like the equivalent of $7 billion today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and you you tell like this there's so much going on there's a really funny I think Some it was um, our girl Pauline Kale talking just about how mm. like there's just like <laughs> so many fucking flipping waiters and like waltzing orphans and like the screen is just like so packed with it and uh, yes that's cool I'm into yeah. that I like yeah. that it's every frame up like a guess who or um, an I spy puzzle is like my memory of okay. it okay yeah. very Michael Bay kind of <laughs> just like filling the, every frame with like explosions yes uh, I can't wait to see the Transformers in this. Anyway, uh, with some <laughs> suggesting it costs as much as $59 million after marketing and distribution, making it one of the most expensive films at the time and the most expensive project financed by Columbia Pictures up to that point. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Not that I knew much about Annie, but it's interesting that it's it's in that Hall of Fame for that. Yeah. Uh, it ultimately grossed $57 million domestically, which while making it the 10th highest grossing film of 1982 was not enough to save it from being a financial bomb. That's kind yep. of a bummer. Yeah, Although, I know. of course, has still become a cult classic or right. I don't know if it's cult classic or just a classic we'll talk about it when after we've watched the film but there is one scene that is just like it feels like it's 20 hours long in my memory <laughs> so uh i'm uh very excited to see if my memory of it is 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 what it is but um, i'm also really excited to revisit it and have a little piece of um nostalgia here yeah i was gonna say i, I liked going back and watching some of the older ones like when when Lindsay and i'd watched like wizard of oz or sound mm-hmm. of music it is it's kind of cool to see some stuff that like it was really a seminal part of growing up and yeah. just sort of re-examine it as an adult and sort of yeah. see it differently. Right. Like I watched um, this with like singing in the rain and the wizard of Oz and like the whiz mm. and, and, and like just those. Whiz. Like, I love the whiz. I love the whiz. Yeah. Refresh my memory. So like was Bernadette Peters like in the original stage version or something, or they just brought her no. on because of the movie and they just brought her on. I think this was right around the time she did pennies from heaven with Steve Martin and was sort of having a burgeoning film career, but this is before like Sunday mm-hmm. in the park with George. Um, so uh, yeah, oh, like okay, she, okay. she, yeah. So she, uh, no, she, she was not big, in the original cast. Huge star yeah. at that point. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think every single person in this movie, at least the people that I have in the, um, in, in the description that we've just read off here yeah. are, were had nothing to do with the original stage show. Um, okay. so yeah, they wanted to bring in some, but, the, but the original stage show didn't necessarily have any huge stars in it at the time either. Or, um, I mean, I guess it was somewhat for, for, prominent if they spent all that money to get the rights to it. Right. You'd have to really like Broadway to be like, oh, like the original Miss Hannigan was Dorothy Loudon, who's kind of like a, a Broadway legend of old yore. Um, she's fantastic. Okay. She was like a very Lane Stritch type, but better singer. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if you should go into those details. I don't think people who listen to this podcast really like No, Broadway. I don't think they like Broadway or musicals <laughs> or anything like that. No, I'm sorry. Continue. Um, yes. I'm saying for uh, the audience of this podcast, they probably do want to know these things. They probably are did, like, oh, I know lo- this person. <laughs> right. And it did launch the career of Andrea McArdle, who was the... Um, when it, when it made its Broadway debut, like she was Annie mm-hmm. in that and she has had a really long, lengthy Broadway career. And it's been in pretty much every version of Annie that has been made as in some sort of cameo since then. So, like, you know, she's one of those. I played Draco Malfoy and I'm leaning into this for the rest of my life. And I <laughs> applaud it because if I had been in that situation, I would do the same thing. Get paid, Andrea. OK, guys, uh, we're going to go watch Annie. We're, we will tomorrow. Tomorrow. We'll see you, but- 
tomorrow. <laughs> I even look like Annie right now. I got a red dress on. My hair is just like, definitely I look with like the a tattoos. 10 year old. That yeah. definitely, uh... <laughs> ah, tomorrow, tomorrow. All, I've been living a very hard life in this ya. orphanage. Tomorrow, you're only a day. Shh, look at my medical bracelet. Away. <laughs> Annie, so we'll be back. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to go watch and come back. This episode is sponsored by CuriosityStream, a subscription streaming service with thousands of documentaries and nonfiction titles, such as Curious Minds, where Paul Reed Smith, owner of PRS Guitars and Master Luthier, talks about his guitars, how they're made, and who plays them. He also discusses the impact of Carlos Santana's endorsement on his business and his life. It's a pretty good little series. Some might call it smooth, maybe, but me, I call it smooth featuring Rob Thomas. You can also get access to our streaming video service Nebula when you sign up for CuriosityStream using our code at curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. The Streamy Award-nominated Nebula is a video streaming platform built by and for creators. So you've got Nebula, why CuriosityStream? Nebula is a place for smaller, indie education-type creators to try out new ideas that might not work out on YouTube. With Nebula, you can see original video essays, films, documentaries, and whatnot, from creators like Cat Black, Sarah Zed, and Abigail Thorne. Right now, you can get CuriosityStream and Nebula for only $2.99 a month or $15 for the full year, once again, by visiting curiositystream.com slash musicalsplaining. Once you use the code, you'll get a welcome email from Nebula, giving you access to all the glory that is CuriosityStream and Nebula. Returned. We have returned. Uh, we have adopted a whole orphanage of young girls. And um, speak for yourself. I was just drowning in gin the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a mood. Just a bathtub of gin surrounded by singing children. Um, a very relatable mood, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was thinking. I think there was like a meme about something. Was it the stepsisters? I can't remember. I feel like it was something along the lines of someone saying, like, we thought we'd all grow up to be Cinderella, but we ended up being the stepsisters. Sure. I, I could be misquoting this. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was a similar thing where it's like we all thought we would grow up to be, I don't know, Grace, but we all grew up to be Miss Hannigan. Right, exactly. Which I- <laughs> Which I was watching this, I was like, oh, this is, as you would say, as you just said, it's a mood. Yeah, like her lying in bed holding a radio is just me, like, drunk, looking at my iPhone. (laughs) I was like, oh, no. Watching this again, feeling a little embarrassed for myself. But yeah, Annie. Uh, (laughs) Annie, okay. So Annie is the story of little orphan Annie. Yes. Who is a spunky redhead who's tough and sweet and looks out for the littler gal. Yeah, she's 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 spunky. She's got a hey, misters and like, yeah, hey, misters. And, we'll start and fights like, with the boys. Yeah, yeah. She's a she's Doesn't a scrapper. Yeah, she's yeah. a scrapper. Very funny. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, escapes uh, from this. Uh, and she lives in this orphanage run by the aforementioned Miss Hannigan. Or, yeah, yeah. Miss Hannigan. Who's yeah. uh, a, a, an alcoholic flapper girl who makes bathtub gin and yeah. is only working there because that's the only job she can get. Apparently, yeah. I think that's and, the uh, sort of she, she's not very nice to the orphans. Um, no. The the scores and scores of young girls that live at this uh, 
public orphanage in New York City in the 1930s. Yes. Oh, and this, yeah, as I say, this takes place during the Great Depression, of course. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Ma- that role, by the way, just completely owned and wonderfully played by Carol Burnett. Just like role of a lifetime for her. I, I think this is the movie where I learned uh, the phrase camp from. Like I was so enchanted by her as a small <laughs> child. Like this is like, this is what I want to grow up to be. Not necessarily a drunk um, with a tub of bathtub gin per se, but just right. like that kind of energy to me was like, like mind blowing. I was like, just yeah. being a fucking funny ass woman, just giving it 100% yeah. and, and stealing the entire movie. Like I, yeah, I love I, her I, I so much in too, this movie. I told, I was talking to Sarah about it. I was like, I feel like that was probably it's between that and, and, um, Warbucks of like, who's the most fun playing yeah. their role, like up to an 11, like both of those characters are so like extreme, but they're both yeah. really funny. Yeah. Like Albert, I forgot how funny Albert Finney is in this oh movie. God, it's like hysterical. It's like, and I like, it's funny because uh, uh, Martin Sharnan, who wrote the lyrics for the show, mm-hmm. hated that they cast Albert Finney and hated him. And they're oh like, he made him a joke and he made up this, this and that. And I'm like, I-, I guess we'll get through the plot summary of it. But like the stuff yeah, that yeah, John yeah. Houston we'll does here is very interesting to me. Um, but yeah, yeah, so, so she's but a so young. Annie's scrappy. Yeah. Doing all this stuff yeah. gets, fun, runs out one day and sneaks out and gets a dog that she named Sandy that yes. becomes her new pal. Yes. Uh, and then that she Grace, saves from a bunch of boys. Yes, correct. That, oh, yes. The, right. The fight that we mentioned before. Also, she we, sh- up boys. we should mention that Annie has a note from her parents saying that one day they will return to come and get her and that they have a missing half of this locket that she wears. And that's correct. how she'll and she wears the other half. Yes. 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 So. So yes, that's, uh, and, that sets the scene entirely. Grace something. What's her last name? I forget. What Grace Farrell. Farrell. Yes. Grace Farrell shows up. She is like the, I guess the PR person. Not, is she the, the, PR person? the secretary? Like She's assistant secretary. secretary. Right. Yeah. Which really means that like she does a lot of work that she does not get credit for or paid adequately <laughs> right. for. <laughs> right. Um, uh, she shows up to the orphanage saying that uh, Mr. Warbucks, who is her boss, who's Albert Finney, who's some industrial or sorry, he's, he's into stonks. He's like a stonk yeah. billionaire. And then Grace has shown up to the orphanage to say, hey, we need somebody uh, we need to bring in a child. We, can you loan us a kid for a week? <laughs> right. Which feels like, <laughs> like the it's most a fucking like, library. <laughs> right. Like it feels like the most depression era. Like, hey, we're just going to take these kids out of orphanage and put them in the yeah. little rascals and never give them a social support right. network. You know, <laughs> we're like just going to adopt like. a child for a week. Uh, yeah, the studio um, owns it now. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so he invites an orphan to come live with him for a week as a, as a good publicity stunt. And right. Annie just kind of um, indeed herself to Miss Farrell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she gets brought to like his big fancy uh, New York City mansion uh, that I think is actually Monmouth University in New Jersey. Yeah, I was going to say, but, uh, I forgot to look that up. I was like, where the fuck is that location? Because it's crazy. Yeah. That building is yeah. amazing. It's such a cool building. And boy, you can tell they shoot the <laughs> shit. They have fun shooting in that building. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, she's basically it's like, you know, a 50, 50 night and day type thing where she's got all of like this amazing stuff now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, she still wants to find her folks, you know, yes, that, yes. That, that, that thrust of money can't buy happiness. Meanwhile, Miss Hannigan has his like brother played by Tim Curry. <laughs> Tim Curry. His name's Rooster. Rooster. Yeah. <laughs> and he has a girlfriend named Lily St. James after the hotel. Um, as she likes to say, played by played Bernadette, by Bernadette Peters, Peters, who is also very funny in this. Very like fun. everyone's funny in this. I, there's not yeah. a there's not a weak uh, actor in this. I don't think. I think everyone's yeah pretty on point. Every, I gotta say, yeah, everyone understands the assignment. Pretty yeah, yeah, exactly. So. That's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, exactly. Everyone understood yeah. the assignment. 
Yeah. Um, and they like uh, Miss Hannigan knows that Annie's parents are actually dead and she has like the other half of the locket and like has been, you know, saving it for whatever. And so she Rooster and Lily decide to try and con you know, the Warbucks is Warbucks. and Annie by pretending to be her actual parents. Right. So oh, because because Oliver Warbucks, when he wants to adopt Annie, because he becomes endeared to her. He, is yeah, like, yeah, she wears him down and like makes yeah. him do all. He's like, oh, I forgot how to have fun. And yeah, yeah, exactly. Basically, like, it makes him to live life like within like a day. And then he's like, fuck it, I'll adopt or whatever. At the, yeah. uh, at the uh, was it uh, at the suggestion of, of Grace. And he's also trying to like matchmake. Parent trap the two of them somehow. He, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that. That conniving little Annie. But so uh, when he goes to adopt her, she's like, no, I still want to find my folks. And because he has learned to be a good person, he's like, OK, well, yes. I'll help you find your folks by offering like this massive cash reward uh, to anyone who can find Annie's parents. So, you know, they do a uh, campaign, Rooster, they go on the radio, yeah. they're trying yes, to like spread yes. the word. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, all these fucking scam artists all show up to try and be like, mm. oh, Annie's my daughter. Annie's my daughter. Blah, blah, blah. And, and then in my favorite scene in the movie or my not my favorite scene, but my favorite like story point in the movie, there's too many people that have shown up to claim Annie as their child. Mm. And so Warbucks is like, this is like too stressful and chaotic. We got to go somewhere chill where like no one will find us. We're like, it's going to be really mellow where there's nothing happening. Let's go to the White House and hang out with FDR. Right. As you do. FDR has got nothing going on at this time either. He's like, come on over, bro. Like, I'm just chilling. He's like, come crash in my man cave at the White House. Exactly. Um, I'm just taking a nap. Yeah, and Annie gets them all to sing tomorrow. He's also, oh, FDR is trying to convince Oliver Warbucks to um, help support the New Deal. and. Oliver Warbucks is also, you know, a very much like cartoon Staunch Republican. capitalist, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, who's oh, like, no, it's a crazy Annie, idea. Yeah, but Annie, Annie sings tomorrow and like wears down everybody. And, yeah. you know, it's like tomorrow, tomorrow, the new deal, blah, 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 blah. Um, so they go back. Rooster and Lily St. James show up disguised as Annie's parents. And, you know, because the they have like. the locket that yeah, uh, and her, Miss Hannigan had hid somewhere in like one of the boxes. Yeah. And her birth certificate and right. all that. They're like the mudges, I think, is the name that they have. <laughs> and, you know, they very begrudgingly like or Oliver Warbucks and Annie are kind of like, OK, like, no, I don't want to go. But I guess these are my folks now. <laughs> uh, and uh, they take her away. And then it, it, you know, turns into like this big chase. scene. He, he writes them the a check for fifty thousand dollars as part of yes. the uh, reward for yeah, yeah. you know showing up to sort of help Annie. So then they have the check. They drive off. Once they have Annie, they just plan on like throwing her into like the East into river, a river or something. Quote, unquote. Like, yeah. yeah. They're like, we'll just toss her into the river. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, there's this huge, uh, chase scene and, um, then, and then Annie has escapes. a turn of heart and is like, well, no, don't, you well, know, Annie escapes from the car. Cause she's like, I got to pee and then takes the check and then runs right, off right, yes. and tears up the check and is like, fuck you guys. Right. And then runs onto some vertical fucking train track, which I guess is like a bridge thing that goes up. Yeah. And- and then Rooster is like, no, fuck you. I'm going to murder this child yeah, now. And then that's Tim when Tim Curry Hannigan's, is coming yeah. to like eat her yeah, into and the Ms. river. Miss Hannigan's like, dude, like, I get it. Like, I hate Annie too, but like, you can't murder yeah. a child. Like, that's a little yeah. too much. Yeah. It's supposed to be like a little too real. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I guess they're apprehended and then it kind of just. Well, ends. Uh, no, and then the same helicopter that they used to go visit. Oh, uh, right. Uh, RPG, Very important. <laughs> FDR shows <laughs> FDR. up and. FDR, uh, yeah. they show up, or uh, I'm sorry. So Warbucks shows up with the helicopter and his assistant, yeah. um, Punjab, who is uh, very, 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 very problematic. 
But yeah, so they save Annie and then there's like a big party at the end. And I guess he officially adopts her. Were they tap dance? Were they tap dance? Were Albert Finney tap dance? Great tap dance number. (laughs) Yeah, great, great tap dance number. And um, all the other orphans seem to be have set up for life, too. And uh, everybody wins. That's everybody wins. The the end. The end. (laughs) And that was it. That's all she wrote. Yeah. And uh, it's it's very interesting to me because um, I mentioned in the first part that the the, the actual cartoon strip, Annie, is like yeah. completely different from this, um, mm-hmm. at least especially like the actual stage version of this. This does take a lot of liberties. I feel like John Houston was a fan of the comics and included a lot of things that were not there. Like Punjab, the other character, the Asp are not in the stage show. <laughs> like in the 1970s, they were oh, like, these not things do it. not, okay. no, they are not in it. And I feel like he added that back in. He took out a, a, a the number that like, um, where like Annie and uh, Oliver Warbucks bond in the show is called NYC. And it's just, they go around New York city for a day. Um, mm. This got replaced with an original number called welcome to the movies. <laughs> that just felt like a big, like John Houston going like in my day when we went to the movies, you know, it was like this, we had this, this and that we weren't, you know, like that's what that whole sequence feels like to me. Um, but that, uh, scene, that scene was very interesting too. Cause you could tell it was made by, well, obviously it's a film, so it's a made by filmmaker, but it right. was like his meta thing of just being like, I'm going to put a movie in this movie. Sure. So it would make sense that, that that might've been what John Houston maybe was more familiar with. And he was like, fuck it. We're just going to put this aspect into it. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, cause like, it's a very big part, like the original stage show, um, what kind of boggles me about this this movie is like the big song from it is tomorrow and mm-hmm. this movie like has it at the very beginning of the opening credits and yeah, then yeah, yeah, it yeah. only it only has the reprise of it that she sings with FDR and you never actually right. have the moment where that is the number like, right it, it, I was I was it, waiting for that too I was like it's not really like a thing in the movie which is weird yeah, like in in the actual stage show. So you know that part in the movie where she finds Sandy and sings "Dum Dum," <laughs> that yes. dumb dog dumb song. Dog. That's where tomorrow happens. And uh, like, yeah, in the stage show, it's set during like Christmas time. Also. That's like her like, so, "I Want" song, essentially. Like, it, yeah, hundred percent makes sense. I'm I'm actually very surprised you didn't put it in there, but. It's kind of shocking because, you know, you have this moment where like this poor girl who's pretty much at like the lowest she can go, you know, hanging out with a dog in like the cold, wet snow singing tomorrow is like such like it's a very sentimental image, but it's a very powerful one. And this John Houston was like, no, fuck it. (laughs) Structurally speaking, it makes perfect sense that it would go there. Actually, you're right. Like that's that's absolutely where that would go. That's normally where you put that kind of song and this kind of movie. but you're and right. It's so really when, interesting that John Houston just was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, yeah, it's going to make yeah. him about a dog being stupid instead. Because it's like, it's so strange watching it like this movie again for the first time. I'd forgotten that. And when it gets to the part where she sings it with FDR, you're like, why is this happening? You know, or is it, it makes sense in like the show in a funny way that like, yes, like this, this is where she started from, like this idea of tomorrow. And she finally brings all the way up to the president. And like, yeah. that's the hope that is needed, you know, and, but yeah, like yeah, here yeah. it's just kind of like. John Hughes is like, I don't give a fuck about this song. Yeah. 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 It's very, (laughs) very strange. Um, It also, the stage show ends with a song um, called We're Getting a New Deal for Christmas. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it's literally all of them because like singing about like how the new deal is going to change everything and make Mm -hmm. everything better. And it's like FDR has all of his like cabinet, like singing it too. And like, I kind of, I get why they cut it in terms of like ending a movie on a song about the new deal is pretty bold. Uh, right. We haven't really hit Hamilton yet at this point. Um, 
but this like was a, the original Hamilton, wasn't it? Right. Even <laughs> even like the the, the 1998 uh, TV version that the mm. uh, Disney uh, company did cuts that out because they're all fucking cowards. Um, <laughs> like you're they're all like we are the Disney Corporation. We do not believe in a New Deal. <laughs> yeah, we do not socialism. endorse the, the socialist policies of the New Deal here. It's a shame. Um, but yeah, uh, I was uh, the part of the reason why they made Annie, or they mm. being Martin Sharn and the lyricist, wanted to do this and worked with Thomas Meehan was because he wanted a story of hope for the Nixon administration, ostensibly. Oh, like, yeah, interesting. And like, yeah, and like the Vietnam War and everything like that. And that was like kind of his inclination oh, was like, I wanted it's a to, to make to that. it. Yeah, it wasn't about, you know, adapting Little Orphan Annie, the comic character, which as we said, is a very strange comic. It was more like, this seems like a perfect setting to have like a Dickensy kind of nostalgia tale for the last generation, you know, oh, with the plucky orphan who overcomes yeah. everything. Um, and I think that gets a little bit lost in this movie. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but just because, uh, I, you know, I was sitting here watching it and then I watched the 98 version and then I watched the 2014 Oh man, version. you've been busy. You're making <laughs> yeah. me look bad. Oh man, uh, just as a point of comparison, because I was very interested in seeing like, how did the 2014 movie with um, uh, Jamie Foxx and Cameron Diaz and uh, mm. Quavenjane, um Wallace, like, adapt this story up. that people right. can't get enough of but uh like uh for me um oh shit i just lost my train of thought oh so i was watching all these versions and um i watched the 82 one with my daughter who number one loved it like immediately right, right. was just like i put it on and like her eyes did not leave the tv it was the first like live <laughs> action movie i've seen her sit the entire way through really and um nick came down and and watch the end of it with us and then watch part mm -hmm. of the 98 one with me. And he's like, mm, it's very weird in the eighties one. Annie is just like kind of a pretty passive character in this. Mm -hmm. Things just kind of happen to her. And like, yeah. it, it does feel more like I just want to, I just came here to see the adults pretty much. Like that's, that's how that movie feels. And I, yeah, I, mean, I, I was going to say that that was also my thought too, is like, it feels more like an adult movie that has a child character in it rather right, than a yeah. kid's movie. It's like, mm -hmm. You know, because point of view is also something you have to always think about when you're making a movie. It, it's meant to be the point of view of Annie, but it doesn't feel like it's Annie's point of view. And a lot of no, that has to probably all. do with, you know, again, Houston being the director, just being like, these are the characters that I sympathize with, like the weird drunk <laughs> right. bathtub lady and right. like the really angry industrialist who bosses everybody around. Like, right. I feel like that was where his interest was. And that's ultimately where the most uh, where like the highest sort of entertainment value <laughs> of this movie right. comes from. Oh, well, it's funny because, like, I mentioned this in the first part, but the reason why the producer, whose name is escaping me right now, it's Ray, um, Ray Stark. Uh, Ray Stark, yes, Ray Stark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no relation to Tony Stark. Ray Tony Stark, Stark wanted to. <laughs> if Tony Stark made musicals instead of weapons, uh, Ray Stark. You, you never know. Um, they probably the went reason, back in time again and did another one. Oh, like. sure. Right. There's an alternate uh, history uh, storyline in there somewhere. But uh, he wanted John Houston because John Houston, number one, was very much for hire at the time. And two, yeah. um, he saw John Houston as being very similar to Daddy Warbucks and wanted to bring that, that energy yes, <laughs> to the I film. Could, I very much yeah. got that sense too. Yeah. I, I didn't see the 2014 version, mm -hmm. um, but th I imagine that this version of Annie, you would never make today because no. it's <laughs> like, because it's, this is what I was talking about too, in terms of point of view. It's like, it does not look as, as parents or adults as any kind of like figures that look out for children. Which right. I feel like, again, you can speak more to this as somebody with a small child. So you you consume more media of, you know, that's geared towards sure. kids. But what I was, what was surprising watching it is like, 
basically this is like trust no one. Like you can't trust adults. You can't trust like you can't trust anybody. Like everyone's out for themselves. Everyone's got like some other agenda and you kind of, which I kind of am like, I appreciate to an extent. Right. Cause that's sure, sure. again, cause it's emblematic of the, of the time that we grew up. Like that's the kind of shit that we saw. It wasn't about like, like no one's looking out for the kids. Right. Really, right. With the exception of that no one character, Grace, but right. Yeah. Like it, no one's helicopter. Oh God, I'm sorry. Sounding like an awful, oh, like no one's helicopter parenting. There is, aren't all these considerations. They're not even, heli- they're not for- even like fucking airplane or like spaceship yeah. parenting. They're just like, go yeah. ahead. Like fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, go kick a kid in the street and don't come back until dinner. You know, like it, it has that mindset yeah. very, very much to it. Like <laughs> um, where it's like even watching like the the 98 Annie, it's like such a softer like. It's probably more schmaltzy, I imagine. Yeah, like this was not sentimental like, at all. No. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was just very much like, yeah, life sucks. And then hopefully you get adopted by a rich guy. Right. If you're lucky, you'll get ad- adopted. But otherwise you got to eat shit and like no one gives you anything. Right, right, exactly. And it's very, the 2014 version is um, interesting because they make Annie um, a foster kid and Mm -hmm. uh, Daddy Warbucks is now, I think his name is William Stacks, which is a very funny name. Stacks and Stacks. (laughs) Yeah, Stacks and Stacks. And he's like a cell phone magnet running for mayor of New York City and like, Okay. You know, Annie kind of like weasels her way into like letting her live or letting um or him letting her live with him for a few weeks. And like mm-hmm. it gave me a lot of respect for the John Huston movie because like it's so deeply cynical and materialistic in a way that I thought that was what the John Huston movie was. And in comparison, it is not like really it's just like, look at stuff here. Stuff stuff solves things the, the the humor is so weird and adult at certain points and like completely disconnected from the fact that this is a story about a 10 year old girl looking for her family <laughs> it's the strangest movie I've ever seen there's like a, a moment where he takes Annie to a movie premiere and it's a alien horror film starring Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis and it's directed by uh, uh, Lord and Miller and it has a Rihanna oh. cameo in it and it is like the, the most insane <laughs> it's insane like um <laughs> I, I'm still like I, I watched it this morning and I'm mm. still honestly trying to put it together. Process <laughs> like, it. what the fuck was this? Um, Cameron Diaz is just like she got a Razzie for her Miss Hannigan. Oh, and was she not good of, in it? Oh, she's it's so it's it's pretty next level. Bad. Oh, that's a bummer. Uh, I thought she would be yeah. funny. Did you ever see Bad Teacher? No, I never saw a Bad Teacher, but She's I heard funny. she was very remember, fun I, in that. She was funny in that. I could that's how I was like I could see her being a good Miss Hannigan if she just basically plays that same character, which that's what it is. But that's right. kind of a bummer if that's not what it was. Yeah, well, she's still an alcoholic. I think she's like a washed up. She used to dance for CNC Music Factory. That's <laughs> which is Holy honestly shit. pretty funny. That's uh, great. Yeah, she's like a washed up like dancer, performer or something like that. But like um, <laughs> it just goes to show like because like Kathy, Kathy Bates plays her in the Disney version. And it's also just kind oh, of like, oh, you know what? Now I remember that I suddenly have oh, yeah. like I just saw the image of her and I'm like, OK, yeah, yes. And I remember seeing the Kathy Bates on the poster. Interesting. OK, y- yeah. And it's very much like the Alan Cumming and Kristen Chenoweth play uh, Tim Curry and Bernadette Peters, which is honestly okay. like really great casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's like Victor Garber, Nadra McDonald or Daddy Warbucks and and um, uh, Miss Farrell. And it's 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 like, yeah, it's very close to the stage version. It's very family and wholesome, like entertainment, that sort of thing. Um, but again, yeah, the one thing that I struggle with is I'm like, what the fuck is this movie about? Like, honestly, like, I guess the closest thing you could say is just like, yeah, life sucks, and maybe you get like yeah, adopted. I'm, I'm also surprised, although I guess it's 2014, which is now what fucking eight years ago or something, or six years ago. Yeah, because I, 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 I was thinking about it now, especially because Warbucks 
just looks like Jeff Bezos. He's just like clean shape, right? He's just, <laughs> does no one? And I was like, how are there no memes about this? Has no one else made that connection? Oh my god, it is Jeff Bezos. Oh he my literally god. is Jeff Bezos. Like he's just he's clean shaven. Like he's like he's all like you know the Lex Luthor kind of look. Yeah. Because I was like, to me, the natural thing would have been like if you were to make it is that he would just be a tech billionaire. Like that's what he right. is. Right. It's uh, Elon Musk adopting right. a child. <laughs> <laughs> Probably Elon less Elon Musk. Musk. I would say it's more Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Bezos adopts a child and takes them to his Seattle like headquarters for a right. week. And he's like, I don't know how to interact with people. Like, this right, is very exactly. Weird. Uh, she helps him develop like the Amazon uh, center for <laughs> <laughs> children in need of parents. Uh, the end. Um, no, that is not what the 2014 one is. It's so weird. like Bobby Cannavale's in like it's such a weird movie. It's I. Weird. I, you know what I will say? I can watch the 82 Annie and the 98 Annie. And I had a huge fondness for both of them as a kid. But this one mm-hmm. was like the most insane thing I've ever seen. And also very boring <laughs> at the same time. Uh, That's uh, but uh, which is like, I, you know, what? every time I'm like, man, we, we still want to watch this one, like very strange Cinderella tale about a random child suffering. And then yeah. just by chance getting adopted. You know, watching both the 82 and the 98 ones, I'm like, OK, I, I get it. Like there's the 98 one leans into especially the idea like that, you know, kindness and love can make a good a person good. Like, you know, it's a much softer Oliver Warbucks. There's uh, they think they, they cut his big song in the show and instead kind of replaced it with uh, that Carol Burnett number that he has that, that Albert Finney has with her where he goes to the orphanage. We're trying and, to get like, the papers to get signed. Yeah. And she's Which trying to fuck him. Too. Yeah. Yeah, also, yeah, yeah a lot of everybody, her trying to fuck everybody, basically, like every That's true. <laughs> every dude that shows up into that orphanage, she's trying to bang. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I understand it, sister. Good for her. Yeah. Like, um, she really is such a that it is a very funny number. And it's, it's fun watching funny. Albert Finney and, and Carol Burnett just like do something for the adults, I guess. Uh, But like it does kind of like drop the thread of like him actually caring about Annie a lot more. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's, but, but, but again, I'm like, I kind of like it. Cause it is just like this alien bald Jeff Bezos, like <laughs> just kind of being like, okay, I guess. Sure. Why not? He's like, sign this fucking paper. Right. It's just like this long ass. There's like, there's like a lot of songs that were cut from the uh, stage show and new ones were written for this. And, uh, I think it's about a 50-50 split of what works and what doesn't, but I do I do sincerely love that song just because of how like yeah. unnecessary it is and also just how fun it looks like um, Albert Finney and Carol Burnett are having there. It's like, finally, no children. Did the painting arrive? Did the painting arrive? I was trying to do the... <laughs> like, I tried to do the voice around the house and then Sarah was like, you need to stop screaming at everyone. And I'm like, I'm doing the Albert Finney and fucking yeah. Andy. Oh, I don't like her. I don't like uh, put her in my bathroom. I wanted a boy. <laughs> oh, it's such a good performance. Like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, yes, Albert Finney. I'm gonna be doing that voice like for the next two weeks. I'm just gonna be screaming it around the house. It's very fun to do. Oh yeah, there's oh my gosh, one of my favorite lines of this is like when I think it's when Miss Farrell comes up to Oliver Warbucks and is like, we should adopt Annie, and it, like she's got like this beautiful yellow dress on, and he goes mm-hmm. like, your teeth are crooked, and she yeah. goes, I'll get them fixed, and then he goes, no, I like it, and it's just like, <laughs> well then I'll keep them. Yeah, it is like the, they have like the weirdest. Uh, him and Ann, Ann Reiking, our friend Ann Reiking, um, yeah, from all that jazz, have like the weirdest chemistry in this. Like it, 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 it yeah. works, but it's just like 
insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I would I, say that's generally how I would describe this movie is just kind of insane. Yeah. Did you really? Did you, did you ever see the uh, Robert Altman Popeye? I did. This movie I mean, reminds when I was a me. Kid. Yeah. This movie reminds me of this so much. Like, I think like there's oh, only interesting. Yeah. Like, it's just. It's based on, you know, like a an old 30s, you know, right, right, right. property, but it's made for sort of for the audience, but not. It has like this weird sense of adult humor that wasn't present in those things. It's, Did Popeye come out after this or before this? I think it was before. I think Popeye was a couple years before. Um, and it's also, again, like this big budget, you know, set piece musical. Um, yeah, 1980, it looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was so like, it was a couple years before it. But so the other thing too, I'm thinking was, do you think that it's, it's staying power? And this is just more of like a general question. I don't necessarily have an answer for it. It's like, do you think the staying power has a lot to do with the fact that like there was a generation of kids who were like really, 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 really obsessed with this movie, sure. this specific one that we watched. And then that's sort of what's being mined to be redone. Or do you think it's that the story of, or of little orphan Annie specifically is something that re- resonates with like everyone and they keep remaking it. Cause I would argue my, my assumption and my guess, it feels more like it's this movie that everyone just sort of has this weird place in their heart for. Sure. And that's what they're trying to like sort of recapture. I feel like it's both. I think it's definitely like led by the okay. fact that this was such a huge like thing for girls growing up for, for millennial mm-hmm. and like late gen X or girls like that. This mm-hmm. was such a huge part of their childhoods. Like, Nostalgia yeah. is always going to make money. And definitely like the sure. 2014 movie definitely feels like a response to the 82 movie versus like the actual show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I also do think like, yeah, like one Cinderella stories are always going to be popular. I hate to generalize, but especially mm-hmm. with with girls, especially like when you feel like you're a sad kid who doesn't have mm-hmm. any kind of hope, like the idea that there's something, you know, good waiting for you is like such a, yeah. uh, a strong narrative pool. Even even like the idea, like okay. we said, that, that this was written as a just kind of like an Oliver Twist type tale um, for the Nixon era like that. And how we still love things like Oliver Twist, like this idea of being about as beat down as you can and as vulnerable as you can being a small kid and still having hope that, you know, things will get better. I think it's just going to be an eternal (laughs) like narrative thread that people really like. It is fascinating the way you framed it too, just as far as being like, this is a Nixon era thing that was written during as a reaction to the Nixon era, but then became a touchstone for kids in the Reagan era. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was about FDR. It's and then re-released and right. then remade during the Obama era. It's like it, that's so it's such an interesting thing to me. It's like that's that'd be a, like a weird, crazy essay to write. Like yeah. trying like dissect the politics of it. Like yeah. based on whenever it was released, and then the you know like the late '90s version coming out during the Clinton administration. Yeah, I mean it's a huge part of it. Don't get me wrong, but like I do think like mm. the, just that story is a very relatable one. Um, Mm. and it's always going to be like the politics of it at the end of the day are just kind of like, they can be a mirror to whatever else is going on at the end of the day. Um, I'm doing the John Houston thing in which I have like the cynical adult male look of it. And it's like, (laughs) "Mm, there's politics interesting here. I'd like to do the Danny Warbucks character. (laughs) I like her. Put her in my bathroom. Uh, I like her. Yeah. Uh, so good. There's something about that smile. Oh, I no, like my dad loved watching this movie with me as a kid. And my dad was also like an old school, like Republican. And I think he thought that like, I now get it. I'm like, oh, it's very funny watching it as an adult, like being like, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I relate, you know, um, 
but uh, uh, yeah, I just think it's like uh, not to say that it is Shakespeare, but it is in the way that like, oh, we're putting on Hamlet as a reflection of the sign of the times and politics. Sure, yeah, or we're yeah, doing yeah. this. It's and I think, a story that can be told. Yeah. Yeah. I think Annie just kind of has that appeal. Um, also, it's just like it gets butts and seats. People love Annie. <laughs> like, like. Well, I was going to say, refresh my memory. Is there were there a lot of productions happening now or is it mostly just like film stuff that as far um, as like, how Annie's continued? So there've been, there've been, I think at least two revivals of Annie on Broadway. One was just about in like, I think 2012, 2013, and it ran for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually started it was pretty the, successful. Yeah, it did. It did. It did pretty well for itself. Okay. Um, actually the girl who played, um, Sadie Sink, who plays the new kid in Stranger Things, the, uh, redhead girl. Did you watch Stranger oh, right, Things? Right. She was Annie in that production. I'm yeah. I'm very excited <laughs> for the next season. Yeah. So she was, she was, oh, uh, she was Annie, Annie in that. I could see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. That I was like that her. Sure her big thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, there was recently uh, a revival of Annie that was very successful. They just did a NBC live version of it. Like the only version I didn't get to watching in preparation for this podcast. But um, yeah, like I think people just still really like Annie, like, and it's, yeah. it's not, it's not going to go away anytime soon, but a lot of that fondness is baked in by the 82 movie. Like, I think that's just what most people are shown. My daughter saw it and immediately was like, I love this. It's funny, man. It's I think there's something to be said about the fact that like it was a weird risk to have an insane man like John Huston make this movie right. and like, get like a really strange kind of like not appropriate for kids kids movie. Yeah, it's funny to me because the show is, you know, very much like this, um, you know, money can't buy you happiness kind of theme to it, even though, you know, she it, it, even though it does have the the whole um, very oh, much can. Yeah, the, 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 it's very much whenever I see this, I do think of that Mr. Burns, uh, Mr. Burns's bear parody where he gets in the car immediately and goes, let's roll. You know, when they're like, well, do you want to stay with us poor farmers or do you want to live right. with this twisted old millionaire? And Mr. Burns runs into the car. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, puts on the shades. I'm like, I, I mean, the choice is always going to be like, yeah, sweet. I got a rich dad now. But um, yeah. I can see like the weird why it didn't sit well with some people. It's like we've got millions of like backflipping kids that we paid and we got fireworks and we got like this big fucking chase scene that does not happen at all in the stage show. <laughs> like yeah. and we're just blowing it out like entirely. And it, it it does feel like a little weird at times watching it. Um, Like like just I don't know. Get, yeah, he has to stick to his instincts, right? In right. Terms of the kind of shit that he's gonna make anyway. Right. Yeah, I mean, they got John Huston to make Annie, and what yeah, you do I'm get like, oh, is yeah, yeah, exactly. John Huston you want a John Huston movie? Yeah. So, so what happens in the third act on the, in the musical? As far as like, there's no car chase. What do they do? Is it just like they get discovered? And yeah, it's done, they, they, they like immediately they get discovered. It's actually Miss Hannigan who plays her mom, which doesn't really make a ton of sense because you'd think like Annie will recognize her immediately, but they get mm. caught, they get arrested, and then it ends. Like it's like very much like we have to pad this out for a more I guess climactic third act. Yeah, I was gonna say it makes sense. It's still a film at the end of the day, as much as it's a musical film. Like you need to have some sort of yeah, yeah. part like a car. I mean, makes sense i would see how they yeah because when you do watch like the 98 version it is kind of like okay well that just happened and uh yeah. um <laughs> there you go um uh, again then it ends with the song about the new deal a very strange a christmasy song the about new the deal. new deal because the show uh the stage show is set during the christmas season too build back better build back <laughs> right. better that'd be the new one no any like <laughs> was on like the the pulse of America far before we knew it like we we wouldn't have had Hamilton if Annie didn't have the audacity to uh to to make FDR a singing character here um you know we got you know a whole rap battle about where the capital is going to be placed we wouldn't have gotten that without Annie singing about the new deal like uh, it's really a pioneer in terms of uh putting presidents uh in musicals that in 1776 yeah Yeah. Uh, yeah all right 
Yeah. Um, anything else you wanted to cover? We should probably start wrapping it up. Um, I think I just wanted to, like, I was, uh, you know, the older you get and the more cynical you get, the more stuff like Annie could be, especially like in that like kind of 2000s era of just being cynical about everything and everything sucks mm-hmm. and this is bad. Like, I remember going like, yeah, that movie's bad and I hate this. And um, just watching it again, I'm like, okay, <laughs> like, I get yeah. it. This is like watching it with my daughter. I was like, all right, I get it. I can't really hate on Annie. I love singing little girls at piano bars. That is like my jam mm. to go to. Like, I, I'm like, okay, I get it. I get the appeal of Annie again. I get why I liked this so much as like a 10 year old. Even like I was home cleaning um my mom's house this weekend because we we're getting prepared to sell it. Yeah. And um. I found a thing I had forgotten that I'd like even had at this point, just because it, it held a lot of like, I guess, hard memories for me. But uh, my mom's jewelry box had this locket that my dad bought me uh, mm-hmm. that oh. my mom gave me after he'd passed away. He'd bought it knowing he was going to pass away. And he, my mm-hmm. mom had been keeping it for me. I didn't really want to keep it with me because like, I think it was just too much too for much. me and my mom yeah. was like i think it's time for you to just take this because i need Aww. to get this house cleaned out and like so that happened and i watched annie you know that's very endearing and yeah. like i was the just timing. sitting that's there crazy i know it was just like such strange weird still timing. ugly cry <laughs> yeah still ugly crying knowing that i have a piece of my dad that like Aww. you want desperately and that that's going to represent but that like you know with annie having her locket like it's just a piece of her that's gone and like she's got to move on to other things so i'm sitting here crying over annie as a 34 year old woman so i'm just gonna say you know what i like it i think the songs are really catchy um I, I don't know if it's enough to sustain two uh, Annie sequels that Charles Strauss and Thomas Meehan and Martin Charnin worked on. Uh, but yeah, I, I actually enjoyed Annie. And I'm, it's very, I, I, you know, I, I'm getting a much more positive read from you on this than I thought I was going to get. So I, I think there's also something about just rewatching. We've done this a couple of times on the podcast of seeing stuff that I had seen as a kid and growing up. So I think sure. there's just something fun about revisiting something from your own childhood that kind of like illuminates something, you know, in your case, yeah. it was something very directly related to it. Yeah. I think for me, it's like you learn, you do learn something about yourself and your own taste. Although I, like I said, I don't think I had really watched it, watched it. Sure. I'd like seen parts of it like a million times, but right. I, th- I think it always ends up, like I said, informing something about your upbringing that you didn't necessarily realize. Like, yeah. You know, revisiting allows you to do, which is fun. So yeah. I think for me, it was, it was mostly the idea that, it's a kid's movie, but I'm saying it's a movie about kids. That's not a kid's movie. Yeah. And that, that's not a thing I feel like I've seen very much. Not that I was really necessarily actively looking for it, but I was like, oh, this is very, sure. very different. And yeah, I can see this not being made in the, this way at all now. Oh. So it's very much like sort of trapped in amber, kind of like yes. this, of this era that no longer exists. Yeah. That, like, they just wouldn't make it like this now. Like they would like the role models would have to be more role model, right. which isn't necessarily a bad thing, by the way. That's not like a, Oh, they can't just have kids be like, you know, yeah, well, <laughs> raised by drunks who are pieces of shit. I right, think right. Obviously like, I don't think it's bad that like, you know, media aimed towards children tends to be more like, you know, as, not aspirational, but tends to be more like conscientious of like the things that they go through. But sure. There is something kind of fun about being like, "Whoa, this is so different. Like, this is such a right. document of an era that like, and, and like I said, it gives you sort of poise like, oh, this is this this is the kind of media that we were exposed to. Like, right. Yeah. Lots and of- how does that shape your outlook about everything? It's right. Funny. Right. Yeah. Like lots of lots of kids films that were just made with like 
well, hopefully the kids will pick up something for this. That's actually more yeah, for like, the adults like, to not want to kill themselves while they watch it. You know, right. uh, that was like half of the movies I watched growing up anyway. So I think that's why mm-hmm, Annie mm-hmm. never seemed like strange to me. I was like, I've watched this sandwich in between the never ending story and like stand by me. So, <laughs> like, yeah, yep. Yep. Both of those movies for sure. Yeah. I think you and I probably also, I, from what I imagine from the conversations that we've had, I feel like our mom's did not really filter for us in ways that other moms probably no, did. Oh yeah. My parents did like, not. I think care. you and I watched a lot of things that were completely inappropriate for our age, yeah. just by virtue of the fact that our parents were like, ah, yeah. that'll be <laughs> fine. Why? It's, it's fine. Just, it's yeah, just a it's movie. Fine. It's just a movie. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> that's how I saw the shining Which when pro- I was four. It's just a movie. Right. <laughs> anyway, on that note, um, Thank you. Thank you for sharing your locket story. That's oh, very sweet. You're and welcome. Yeah. Sorry it was just you had very... an ugly cry, but. Thank it was you. a good ugly cry and it made me, yeah. you know, it made me go like, yeah, there is a place for Annie as silly as it is, as like cheesy Broadway as it is. I'm like, it has its purpose, I think. I, on the whole, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was fun. I, yeah. I had a good time. Yeah. I was laughing very hard at a lot of it. In, yeah. In a good way. So it's fair. It's like, it's, it's also interesting to tell that you said that like your dad laughed like very hard and liked watching it with you. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm I like, oh, like, yeah, I that, get it. <laughs> It's a movie about a little girl that's sort of trying to appeal to older men. <laughs> yeah, it's a father-daughter bonding movie for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, yeah. Could, I, I see that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, guys, let us know your thoughts about the movie Annie. Oh, yeah. Uh, we. If you've yeah, been in Annie Productions, at, it's one of the most done musicals in, in the United yes. States. So, yeah, I'd love to see that. Which, which actually, as a general rule, we should say, if you've been in a production and you have, like, fun photos or something, please, please. you know, share it with us on Twitter. We love that shit. We think yes. it's great. Love um, it. People have a lot of good stories to share. So we yeah. are at Musical Splaining with no, I'm sorry, at Musical Splaining with no G on Twitter. Yep. At Musical Splaining with a G on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get a lot of messages on Instagram and Instagram's interface is really not meant for that. Yeah. So if it's, you're probably better if you tweet at us rather than try and send us stuff on yeah. uh, Instagram, just FYI. Uh, I am at Kava Taharian on Twitter and at Permafriends on Instagram. Yep. And, uh, I am Angelina or why Angelina Y on Twitter and Angelina underscore C on Instagram. Additionally, uh, you guys, if you've been enjoying the podcast, please leave us a good review. Yes. Make sure to check out the sponsor links that will help us continue to do more episodes. Hopefully. Yes, please. Forever. Forever. (laughs) In perpetuity. From beyond the grave. Yes. Um, and thank you. The sun will come out tomorrow. Um, tomorrow, tomorrow. tomorrow. I'm 34 and I think I look like I could still play Annie. I could still play Annie, right? You could, you could. (laughs) Are you going to, real quick, are you going to audition for this assassins thing? I think you should do it. Oh, I mean, I mean, I have the perfect hair right now for Sarah Jane Moore, so I got to kind of do it. So yeah, (laughs) I think you should do it. I think you should audition. We shall see. And if it happens, well, maybe we can business expense a flight for me out there and we'll record it and then we'll review it. It'll be a good time. Well, fingers crossed. Don't care. Yeah. Anyway, everybody start an online petition to cast Angie Uh, as prayer circles. Sarah Jane Moore, Squeaky Frome. I'll be in the ensemble. I'm 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 not above it. Come on. (laughs) Prayer circles. Guys, thanks for listening. We'll see you at the next one. Sarah.